Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Birth Bond Podcast. Have you ever wondered if you should think about home birth or the safety of home birth? Would you be considered a candidate? Maybe you have gestational diabetes or a history of something, let's say, like multiples or breech baby, something quote unquote high risk. Does that rule you out? How do you find midwives in your area? How do you know if home birth is the right choice for you? We know that midwives give us better results than OBs, and we know that home birth can be safer than hospital birth. I actually talk about the safety of hospital birth in episode 182, so you can scroll back and listen to that. Also in episode 142, I talk about the beginning of home birth and how home birth started. But in today's episode, I actually get to sit down with licensed midwife Bliss Young, who is a home birth midwife, a childbirth educator, a placenta encapsulator, and a natural birth and family consultant. She is a firm believer in intuition, the sacredness and ritual of birth, and the power of autonomy. Her goal is really to empower the family she supports to feel good and safe in their decisions. She has studied under Dr. Stu Fishbein, whom you know I really respect, and she's also been fortunate enough to learn the art of midwifery in unique skills like breech, twins, and V-backs. I'm so honored to be able to have Bliss on the show and to share her wisdom about home birth. We're going to talk about what types of care home birth midwives do and how it may differ from what you find in the hospital or birth center environment. We're going to dive into the power that comes along with tapping into that intuition and your spiritual side of home birth. Also, how do you know if you're right for home birth? How do you know when you're not a good candidate? for home birth. Plus, like I said earlier, does having a high-risk pregnancy automatically rule you out? Here's what I will tell you going into this episode. Don't forget that midwives are the experts on normal physiological labor. Your obstetrician is a surgeon, so they are the expert in medicalized birth and high-risk birth. 
This is going to be really, really important for you to keep in the forefront of your mind going into this discussion so that we can truly have a candid conversation about home birth and whether you might be a good fit for it or not. All right, you guys, without further ado, Bliss, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here with you. I'm so, so excited. I got to be honest, you are someone I have long wanted to have on the show. And this season is all topics requested by our audience. And so I left the topics up to them and I got to choose the professionals that I had on. And so I'm very very excited to dive into home birth with you today. So we'll start with kind of some basic home birth facts, which we have definitely covered. You know, Tranquility by Hee is a big supporter of home birth. We recognize that there's a lot of benefit for a lot of people. But in that conversation, there's always the question of, but how do I know if it's not appropriate for me? Like, I obviously want to keep me and my baby safe. And I obviously see the benefits of having a home birth. And I think if I did some digging, I could find a practitioner that I feel comfortable with. But how do I know if I actually shouldn't have a home birth? So that's what I'd like to dive into today. Great. I'm looking forward to it. Home birth is my absolute favorite thing to talk about. So (laughs) I love it when, uh, People ask me to talk about it because it's it's just a passion of mine. And I had two babies at home myself and have been in and around this world for 30 plus years. And so it's definitely a passion of mine to share this information with other families. So thanks for asking me to join you. Yes. Okay. We are about to geek out. All right. So let's start with the very basics and give our crowd and maybe an intro for some of you, or if you're a longtime listener, we've covered home birth before. So just kind of a refresher. What are some basics that we need to know about home birth? Wow. Well, I think that the thing about working with a midwife, which is where I would like kind of broaden the conversation to has a lot of benefits. It's not just about the location, right? So we're not just thinking about changing locations in terms of, do I want to be in a hospital or would I like to be in my home? Although that is an important part of it. Working with a midwife, it midwives are experts in physiologic birth. And we work on a true informed consent model. So what that means is every test and procedure that is offered in a doctor's office will be discussed with you from a midwifery perspective to give you the pros and cons. A lot of people have the experience of going into a doctor's office and feel like tests are done, blood's drawn, and they're not quite sure why or why that happened. And so it's a lot more about informing and empowering um, families to make their own decisions. And that starts to prepare them for what it's like to be at home with a midwife for the actual delivery and really have that woman, the birthing person, as the center of what is happening. So it's very different than being in the hospital where it's very standardized. And they do that because they don't know you as well, right? You have nurses that you've never met before. You might work with a team of doctors. There's a lot of bureaucracy and over 
over like it's overseen by administrators. So there's a lot of rules that don't necessarily have to do with the health of mom and baby, but more about how to make this big cog work and to protect the organization and the doctors as much as possible. So in a home birth, it really is about It's your day. That's what I tell people. Like, it's your show. It's your party. You can have who you want there. You can have the environment that you would like to create. Um, You can be in any position that you want to be in. You can eat and drink. You can decline any of the things that are offered standard or accept them. That's totally up to you. And for me, that's where the real power of birthing at home comes in is when a woman is left to be able to navigate the instincts and her physical experiences of what's happening in birth, there's a massive transformation that happens. And, you know, we are holding, the midwives are holding that safety container. So we're witnessing and watching in case something does go outside of the range of normal, what we would expect as normal. And that's what we do all day long is we see normal. So when something's not normal, it sticks out for us. So part of our job is keeping people healthy, this preventative health care that happens during prenatal care, and then watching during labor, delivery, and postpartum for any issues that might need to be advanced to a different kind of care, like going to the hospital or seeing a pediatrician during postpartum period or something like that. So I hope that was a good start of an introduction. Yeah, it absolutely was. Talk to us kind of lightly about the benefits. So obviously, as people can imagine, you don't have access to, you know, a lot of medical pain relief. So we see less rates of of epidural use and medical medical interventions. We see less rates of episiotomies. We see less tearing. We see more people using ambulatory movements during labor, more people having upright you know, birth, like actual pushing periods. What other things should people know about in terms of risk and benefits of home birth? I mean, I think, you know, the number one thing is just satisfaction and joy. That's the one I see the most, you know, I've had women who have had multiple births in the hospital and then they have a home birth and, you know, It's so much more than just the little things that we can describe. It's the whole thing. It's the children being involved and being imprinted with what it's like to just be a normal physiologic person who's having a baby, you know, like our cats and dogs and cows do, right? So it's just a normal part of life. It doesn't become this scary thing. And watching the intimacy that can be created between the dad and the mom, you know, a lot of times dads in the hospital feel like they're really pushed to the side and they're just ancillary. They're not really a part of this experience. And the thing to remember is that childbirth and being pregnant is not, you're not sick that you're not. So if you think about it more as a life experience, the expansion of your family and welcoming your new baby in the most peaceful, loving way, that ripples out and transforms all kinds of things that like, you know, we could spend an entire podcast just talking about all of the beautiful aspects. But statistically, if we want to talk about like safety, all over the world, midwives are used as the primary care providers for low risk moms. And when it's done that way, and then we refer people out once they 
if they become more high risk and then the doctors take over, which obstetricians, that's their specialty, pregnancy related illness and surgery. So you're using midwives for what their specialty is and you're using doctors for what their specialty is. And that's why I find that so many families go through that obstetrical model and feel invalidated, feel traumatized, you know, at the very least, they feel like they're just not getting their questions answered. They're not feeling respected because doctors are intended to look at for problems. So if you're looking for something more holistic, more um, family centered, more heart centered, that's when the midwifery model is really going to serve you. So obviously, you know, I think the thing that people are most concerned about is what the what ifs. So what if so and so and so happens or, you know, my sister told me that, you know, she had an emergency C-section and thank God that we were in the hospital. But I think, again, you know, this could be another whole podcast of like pulling that apart because a lot of the issues, a lot of the stories that we are telling each other now about birth is really about hospital birth. And you have to be able to pull those two things apart because they're very different. A physiologic birth that's done at home with the mom being the center of all of that is very different than birth that's in the hospital that's being medically managed because a lot of the interventions that they feel are necessary end up causing more complications. And so I like to tell people, you know, if you think about ourselves as a, as a ecosystem, kind of like any, any part of nature, right? It's all integrated and it's a delicate balance. If you like, let's say you were next to a stream and you put a boulder in the stream or, you know, in the forest, you took out one of the populations of animals. We know that it would throw off all of these subtleties inside of that ecosystem. Well, we're exactly the same way. And our bodies are so perfectly designed to be able to grow our babies, birth our babies and feed our babies. And so, yes, there are times when complications can happen, but that is really the minority when women are left to follow their instincts and aren't interfered with. And so when we have that really respectful um, awareness of when to step in and when to just let nature do its thing, there are a lot less complications less bleeding, less babies having issues, less postpartum depression, less breastfeeding issues, faster healing. So, and then obviously, you know, a, a woman who is um, raising her children and one of the leaders in our family, if she feels fulfilled and inspired and transformed and strong from her experience, that's going to not only ripple into her family life, but into her community in general. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. I like get the warm and fuzzies every time we talk about birth in the way that it's like intended to be. Yeah. And then I get really sad. Ugh, and I usually cry because I just feel like birth has just been stolen from us in so many ways. And it just breaks my heart for women. Yeah, yeah. And for our culture, for yeah. all of it. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think uh -huh. about the bonding of babies and moms that are so disrupted and sometimes they never get put back together and it could probably all be stemmed back to or traced back to their birth and how it happened, how they were treated, how they were made to feel the traumas that came up. Yeah. That. And that goes, you know, like how we started the conversation. So that starts in your prenatal care that mm. starts 
relationship that you develop with your provider, your baby is being saturated in the experiences that you have when you're pregnant. There's a whole discipline, pre and perinatal psychology, that talks about how us as babies, as when we're in utero and when we're being delivered, we're imprinted with our experiences and the mom's emotions and experience are much more what the baby's reality is than their own reality when they're in utero. So if you're going through the medical model and everything is scary and everything is a potential hazard and you know, you're, you're like a ticking time bomb, right? That is your experience that you're having in pregnancy. So it starts during that prenatal care to prepare you for this birth of trusting yourself, being able to listen to your instincts, having this beautiful relationship with your care provider, you know, and your partner and all of those things. You know, when I was studying midwifery, one of my teachers talked about the more that you handle and talk about and approach in pregnancy, which, you know, can be the health part, it can be the spiritual part, it can be the mental, emotional, relational part, the more you deal with that in the prenatal period, the smoother the birth goes. So you you, you want to think about it holistically, not just again, not just the location or not just the birth, but it's that whole time of when you and your baby are going through this experience together. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. It is that ecosystem just really stuck with me. I always tell people to think about it as a web. And like, you know, if you, if you touch one part of the web, all the other pieces of the web have to kind of accommodate and stretch and flex in order to, to accommodate that. But that ecosystem is such a beautiful analogy there. Okay. So let's, let's talk about some things that if we wanted to have a home birth, we were hoping that was our goal and <laughs> this popped up, it would mean that we would need to reconsider. Is there a list of things that come to your mind where you're like, these are the top five things that yeah. would risk somebody out? Yeah. Okay, cool. Can yeah. we, let's talk about those. Yeah. So again, you know, working with a midwife, you're going to be doing preventative care. And they're going to be talking to you about nutrition and lifestyle and your mental state and all of that. So knock on wood, <laughs> in all my years of practice, I've never had to transfer anybody out for these things because once we start to see them happen, we work together. And as long as the mom is willing to do the work, you can turn things around. So there are certain conditions before you even get pregnant that depending, you know, every state has different licensure. So I can only really speak very clearly from my own state here in California. But there are certain conditions like heart disease, if you had cancer, if you had some autoimmune disease, let's say you were already diabetic and on medication. So if you think about it, if you come into pregnancy with already a health-related condition, there's a chance that midwifery care might not be appropriate for you. That's not to say it's not, but it might not be. It, but if you come into pregnancy as a healthy woman, and I don't care how old you are, I know that that's another one that people think about. If you're young enough to get pregnant and to hold a pregnancy to term, there, you, there's no reason why you can't have a home birth. It doesn't put you at a higher statistic. So the ones, the big ones that we're looking for are gestational diabetes, preeclampsia, 
And, and a lot of times now they have um, gestational hypertension as a spectrum of preeclampsia. But from my perspective, they can be separate. So you can just have high blood pressure that only has happened during your pregnancy. But the thing to remember, again, I'm going to take us back to this holistic perspective, is if because pregnancy can be hard on a woman's body, if these things are cropping up, it means that there's a weakness in your system already that is having the stress of the pregnancy bring this to the surface. And a lot of these conditions later in life could be a problem for you. So if you develop gestational diabetes, you could become diabetic later in life. So it's almost like the pregnancy is highlighting something in your health that would be beneficial for you to take care of. So we talk about all of those things I mentioned, lifestyle, nutrition, and Maybe sometimes we even might use things like ancillary services like acupuncture or herbology or those kinds of things to turn things back around. And it's almost like working with a naturopath where we're looking at natural ways to support your body. And we're not just dealing with the symptoms and we're not just putting you in a category like, oh, you failed that test. So now you're diabetic and now we have to treat you as a diabetic. It's more like, hey. Your body's telling us some things. Let's look at the deeper root of this and let's get to the bottom of it. Let's change some lifestyle things. So not only can you have the home birth you were hoping for, but you can now know more about how to take care of your body and what things might be a problem for you later in life if not addressed. Yeah, that's just not an approach you get at all in the medical system, right? Not at all. There is no individual care that looks at, hey, let's look at the communication your body has given us and let's see what we could would could do to potentially turn it around. I think that piece of like potentially turn it around is something that I don't know if I've ever heard a medical professional in the hospital or clinic say that, right? There is, it's almost like there's no backspace or there's, there's no reverse. It's always forward, forward, forward. Now that you've qualified for this one time, you've gotten one high blood pressure, even though you just told me that you had to walk and it's super hot outside and you're feeling very stressed. Well, mm -hmm. we had that one reading, right? So it's always a forward motion. There's no backspace. There's no individual care. Um, wow. Okay. I just wanted to also say, so that's the mom. And then the other part of it would be the baby. So there's screening that is offered during the prenatal care that would maybe, you know, like let's say the 20 week ultrasound, the structural ultrasound that you do between 18 and 22 weeks, maybe during that ultrasound, you, you find out that your baby has a heart condition. And so then maybe we need to dive a little bit deeper into looking at, is that a heart condition that will need immediate attention? Like, as soon as the baby's born, it's going to have to go and be in and be in surgery or be in the NICU. Or is it something that you could have a home birth? It's not going to be any more danger to the baby, but the baby at some point is going to need some additional attention. So sometimes we find those things or genetic results that lead us to know that this baby's going to have a little bit more challenge than another. And that doesn't always necessarily risk you out of home birth, but it might change the way that you're looking at things. You might decide that you would prefer to be in a hospital 
But again, this is when it's really individualized because there are people who have decided, like, let's say I had a client who with a previous delivery, they found out that the baby didn't have any kidneys. So that baby was incompatible with life and she didn't know this ahead of time. And the baby was born. They figured it out. The baby passed away. And when she came into my care later on, she had said she actually was really happy that she didn't have that information because if she had been in the hospital, she wouldn't have had that intimate time that she had had to hold her baby and to be with her baby. It would have been a really different experience. And both of those choices that each person would make on that spectrum is valid. And that's when the individualization comes in, just because there's something available in terms of how someone would manage their healthcare in the Western world does not necessarily mean that that's how everybody would manage it. And that is that needs to be a valid way that we look at things, too, because some people, you know, don't take blood transfusion. Some people don't want to have medical because they have a spiritual or religious component. And that that's a valid thing and needs to be respected and honored as well. Absolutely. And it takes sometimes finding a provider that's okay with the things that you're asking for. Not necessarily okay, but I guess knowledgeable and able to support you in that almost regardless of not almost, but definitely regardless of their own beliefs and what their own prior experiences have been. They're moving forward with you as an individual. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And respect. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really hard to find. I think you're more obviously more likely to find it in midwifery care, but there are still, you know, every profession is going to have a variety at the spectrum of practitioners. And so I think finding the midwife for you is very important. It's not enough just to switch to midwifery care. Great. You switched to midwifery care, but now we need to find the midwife, you know, for you. So let's talk a little bit about some of some of these things. What would it look like if someone was planning a home birth, working with a home birth midwife, and then, you know, found out that they had gestational diabetes? Do we have any flexibility? Can we still, under some circumstances, have a home birth? Does that automatically risk us out? Does each midwife, so fun fact, listeners, if you didn't know this, each hospital kind of has their own cutoff of what they decide their cutoff for the glucola drink is going to be. It's obviously within a evidence-based like spectrum, but each hospital kind of has their own cutoff. Do midwives operate the same way? Is there, I think, flexibility in whether we can keep moving forward with a home birth or not? Yeah. And, you know, there is a spectrum of midwives. You're absolutely right. And there's different kinds of midwives. So there are certified nurse midwives that are trained as nurses first and then become midwives and are, you know, more indoctrinated into the medical system on the, on the whole than licensed midwives or direct entry midwives. So it's, it's different. And again, it's state to state that you can determine that. So some midwives might be a little bit more medical leaning. And again, I love that you mentioned, you know, you need to find a midwife that is a good fit for your perspectives and how you manage your health. So I don't even do the glucola drink. It's the standard of care. So I, if someone, I do talk to people about it, and if that's something that they would like to do, then I can send them into the lab and they can do the glucola drink there. But for me, that's it's 
completely synthetic, full of sugar. And I would never ask a pregnant woman to put that into their body. So what I normally do is what's called the postprandial test. And you eat what a normal meal would look like. And I always encourage them, if you do have sugar, if you're a person who enjoys sugar, then you should eat something like that that day, but also have a full balanced meal. Whereas the glucola drink that you're fasting, and then you're drinking 50 to 75 grams of sugar. So if you don't eat like that normally, like, you know, if you're not somebody who has a bunch of Cokes every day, your body's going to respond strangely and you're going to feel like crap. (laughs) So that I just avoid that whole thing. And so then we draw your blood exactly an hour after you had your last bite. And then we can get a sense of how your body is responding to your actual diet. Okay. So we do that test, let's say, or you do the glucola, the standard test, or you do the, a certain amount of jelly beans. That's the same as, you know, the glucola, there's all kinds of different ways of doing it. And let's say your numbers were elevated and it's putting you in the category of saying that you probably need to do this Once you do the first test, you have a three-hour test normally that you do. So instead of doing that three-hour glucola test, what I normally do with my clients is I have them start to test their own blood sugars at home. And so they would test it four times a day. Some midwives will do it for a few days. Some will do it up to a week. I usually do it about five days. I think you can get a good sense. And they keep a diet diary. So they do a fasting number and then they test their blood sugars after their meals. And then we can actually start to pinpoint what is elevating your numbers? Is it your fasting numbers or is your body responding to a particular kind of food? And if we take those foods out and we add in a walk after you eat, then are we seeing your numbers be within control? And that's all we really want is we want those numbers in control. So again, we're changing lifestyle, we're maybe changing diet and we're empowering that person, that woman to be able to know oh yeah, when I eat Chinese food, my numbers go way up and I actually don't feel great. And so you start to put all these pieces together for yourself and you know more about your body. And that is incredibly empowering. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm just like imagining if (laughs) in the hospital, if that's what we did instead, if we helped people play detective with their own body so that they could really understand what's going on and what their individual needs are, it would be so much better. And we would just have so much better outcomes in so many ways. It's so frustrating that we don't have that in the hospital system. It also makes you wonder why they use something so artificial when we could get a much better sense of someone's true blood sugar on an individual level doing something like the protocol that you do. Let's test your blood sugar after a normal meal that you eat. If that raises any concern, then let's do a little bit longer of a monitoring period so that we can then have our data to play detective. It's so frustrating. We don't have access to that in the hospital. Yeah. So I... (laughs) But, you know, being in the birth world for 30 years, I've stopped beating my head against the wall trying and doctors to do something different because I just don't feel like that is going to happen. Yeah. I, that's why I love talking about out of hospital birth because, you know, I really do feel like the more that we take our power back into our own hands and the more that we have freedom and autonomy and understand ourselves, you know, the better things are going to be. So that would be my encouragement to the, you know, the families that listen to you is if in your heart, 
something is speaking to you about this, trust that because yeah. something is available for you. And you don't have to you don't have to put yourself into a system that doesn't respect you, doesn't listen to you and does all kinds of things that make you feel like, and you know, it's like, it's like stealing one of the most precious and sacred times from us, you know, just stealing the joy and the pleasure and all of that from us. And how many, you know, some of us will have like 10 babies, but most of us will have, you know, a few. And so it's just, it's such a precious time in our lives. And I always felt when I was with my midwives that I was in this little bubble, you know, now, mm-hmm. today we didn't have the internet and social media back then. So if I had to get information, I'd get it from my midwife or I'd have to go to the library and like, you know, look it up in a book. Um, <laughs> families are so inundated with so much information. I can be really overwhelming. But, you know, I loved that little bubble that I got to be in and I just enjoyed my pregnancies. And so that's something that I really try and do with my families is like, you're just a beautiful pregnant woman having a baby. Everything's great. You know, like, let's just lift these women up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Awesome. So I guess to wrap up the gestational diabetes talk, if we play detective, we eat and then go on a walk and we get everything under control, then we move forward with our home birth. If that doesn't work, then we would join that small percentage of the population that probably needed to birth in the hospital. Is that right? For the most part, you you know, if you're insulin dependent, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of other things you have to be thinking about. And, you know, this is not about putting people in a situation that is not safe for them. So if you more monitoring. If, you know, there's a chance that your baby's blood sugars could crash after birth, then you might need some, you know, additional support. I work with a doctor. His name is Dr. Stuart Fishbein, and we do a podcast together. And I've had the benefit of working with him for many years. And, and he does home birth with diabetics that are insulin dependent. And, you know, it's interesting. That's one of those times when you start to tease it apart and you realize that now we have laws in the midwifery model that are dictating whether or not someone can make that choice for themselves. And in regards to diabetes in particular, I have a doula friend here in Santa Barbara whose son is diabetic. And she's like, you know what? Most of the time when he goes into the hospital, he has to advocate for himself for so many of these things because it, it's actually not always the safest place for him. And so I can understand why someone with diabetes, or we did a podcast recently about a woman who had cystic fibrosis. There wasn't a doctor in the world that was going to support her having a home birth, but she did her research. She felt really comfortable with her choice. Her and her midwife worked really closely together. She knew a lot more about her body and her disease than the midwife did, but the midwife knew what to look for, what would be a problem. They, they kind of worked on that together. And that woman was able to make that decision for herself because this midwife was willing to meet her there. So there are sometimes these little gray areas that don't necessarily have to be transferred into the hospital. But again, that should be a personal decision. And, and like you said, you would just need to find a provider that felt comfortable with supporting you in what your choice was. Yeah. And it feels like a grave overreach for someone to 
tell you how you have to have your baby and where you have to have your baby. And that even though you understand and accept the risk associated with the decisions you're making, you're still not quote unquote allowed to mm-hmm. do that. Um, you know, it's one of the, that is, I, w- I would say that is the reason that I don't go back to midwifery school. I just, I love the autonomy that being a doula gives me. And I fear that if I go back to midwifery school and become a medical professional, that in some regards, my hands will be tied and I will, you know, I I won't be able to serve people in the way that I want to. And that is to truly let them have 100% autonomy. And I have that freedom now as a doula. So Gosh, what a sore spot in our country, huh? Yeah, and that's that's the one that really, you know, you were saying earlier, you get emotional about the hospital. And that's the one for me, is that even with a license and even outside of the hospital, there are still organizations and people who feel like it's okay to make decisions about what we do with our bodies. And for me, bodily autonomy is at the top. Like as human beings, you know, it's okay. Like I could understand if the organizations wanted us to have a certain informed consent with their language to make sure that people really were informed about the risks and the benefits that I can totally get. But if a woman still signs off and says, yep, I understand. And this is my personal choice for someone to say that she can't have a midwife with her, that she has to birth unassisted. No, I support unassisted birth. If someone wants to have an unassisted birth, again, it's your it's your mm-hmm. choice. Mm-hmm. But I believe we deserve to have the, these choices. So I get your hesitation about midwifery school, but I think as women and as birth workers and as advocates, we need to continue to push back about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hold that line of you know we deserve to make the decisions for ourselves. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, what kills me is that I'm a very uh, like justice oriented person. I like for things to be equal and fair. I'm a very, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander type kind of gal. And it kills me because you having that very explicit, you know, consent form, having those very deep conversations, if I understand the risk, I'm still taking that on, is not good enough for home birth midwifery, but it's not even the bare minimum in the hospital. That is the opposite of what people get in the hospital. They're signing consent forms they've never even seen before at nine centimeters, you know, dilated, having contractions every two minutes apart, lasting 90 seconds, about to push out a baby, and they're shoving forms in your face, sign this, you have no idea what you're signing. So it's opposite ends of the spectrum. But, you know, if it's for the hospital system, oh, don't worry about it. But if it's home birth, well, not even the deepest of consent conversations is good enough to allow us that autonomy for people. That kills me. It really does. Right. And again, it goes back to how women have been controlled and dominated for a very long, long time. And that we around birth, which is absolutely our domain, right? (laughs) This is our domain. This is what we (laughs) have for someone else to be making those decisions for us and for our families and for our communities. That to me is just insane. And Mm -hmm. I really, get to a point where we can make those decisions for ourselves again, that midwives can be available for the people that want them, no matter, regardless of what their choices are. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, absolutely. As much as possible, as long as it's not explicitly written in my law, I really try and do that for people. And, you know, there are places like, like Oregon, which I'm considering moving to that still has traditional midwifery as an option. But, you know, there are birth keepers that are not going through school because of that very thing that you talked about. So just don't stop. <laughs> that's all I, that's all yeah. I want to follow. I'm, yeah, I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping. I, I couldn't in good conscience, I don't think serve people without further schooling, especially as a midwife or, a, a you know, someone that, that my clients were depending on me for medical care. But I just, I don't know where my future holds or what my future holds in terms of birth work because, you know, that, that loss of my own autonomy stops me from, from taking on midwifery because I'm afraid that if my autonomy is taken away, it will trickle down to my clients. And I'm right now just not in a place where I'm willing to compromise that. And I understand it's a totally different role. If I were to go back to midwifery school, I'd be serving people in a totally different capacity. So it's just, you know, it's on my mind. That autonomy is a really weird and deep conversation because you do want to protect people. We want to keep people safe, but there is, there's nothing that overrides autonomy. You just can't take it from people. And that's like the bottom line. Yeah. And you can't treat people like they're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> These are well-informed, educated women who have the the ability to choose. And that should happen. I was thinking of like a great analogy would is like if you got cancer and you decided that you wanted to have alternative modalities instead of going, you know, with radiation and chemotherapy and all of that. There's not, nobody would come in and tell you that you couldn't do that. You know, I'm sure your family might have some opinions about that, right? But no one would say, no overriding body would say, oh, you have to get this type of care. We respect that you get to make that decision. And somehow with with the birth of our babies, that doesn't happen. So- I mean, I think that's applicable to anywhere in medicine. If you needed heart surgery, no one's coming to your house to knock down the door to to operate on you on your your kitchen floor. If I I broke my foot and they weren't going to give me a brace for it, like one of those hard shell boots. And I was like, no, this shit hurts. I definitely have to have something like they weren't going to make me have a boot. Matter of fact, I had to ask for that type of support. Like nowhere else in medicine does your doctor almost override you in that sense? And I think that is so telling of that maternity care is not about the health and safety of our babies in the hospital system. It's about control. It's about controlling the way that people have their babies in order to push certain things, agendas, the bottom line, finances, politics, whatever it is. There's a lot of things at play that are being pushed within the hospital system and it only happens in maternity care. That is yeah. that's fucked up. I, that's crazy. Oh, I heard an OG midwife. I can't remember which one, but she was talking about when maternity, you know, wards in the hospital became that much more popular. And if you think about it, you know, if you think about it from a business perspective, you know, um, you can't rely on the health and, and, you know, sickness and, you know, people coming in to break bones, but a good cash cow would be maternity care 
because we're always having more babies and more babies. So it's a consistent revenue stream that the hospital can rely upon. And so that's, you know, you talk about power, right? That's a place too, where it's like, there, nobody wants to give up that power and that money. But when we wake up and we stand up and we declare that we're not going to stand for that, that's why I'm saying, you know, if, if your heart is in this, don't keep going to a place that's not going to serve you stand up for what, and that, as we start to talk about that and become, it becomes more normalized. And these are the stories that we start to tell each other about, oh my God, I was, this was so beautiful. I had this beautiful experience at home with my midwife and my family. Then things will start to change. And so I really honor and love the work that you do and all the other social media and podcast people that are like, you know, shouting from the rooftops about something else is possible. You know, we don't just have to survive. We can actually thrive in this experience. And I just, that's what I want people to know about the beauty and the joy and the transformation that can happen through this experience. Yeah. And that you really can't avoid all of that iatrogenic trauma that comes from birthing within a system that is designed to literally work against you in control of every biological event. We'll never be able to control biology. That's not our job. Our job is to respond to what our birth needs from us, just to be there and hold that space for your body and your baby to do their dynamic dance there. I thought of something that I wanted to say. Oh, great. Okay. So we were, you know, the topic we were talking about is if home birth is not appropriate for you, right? Like when would home birth? So the other thing would be your mental state. Mm. So you feel, if we go back to that design of being a mammal, our body responds to us feeling safe and unwatched. So if you feel totally comfortable and juicy at home, that's a really good place for you. If you don't, if you feel more comfortable in the hospital, if having those monitors and having those people there are going to make you feel safe and relaxed, then home birth might not be the right option for you. And so I think that that's another thing to just consider. Where do you feel most safe and relaxed? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a big factor too. If you're choosing home birth because Someone in your life has pressured you into it. You just think it's the right thing to do. But in reality, deep, deep down, you would feel more comfortable at the hospital. You should birth in the hospital and find a provider that is going to have a lighter medical influence in their care or someone who is able to give you a more hands-off hospital birth. But regardless, if you birth in the hospital, there will be some red tape that you can't get around just because it's a hospital birth. Just regardless, there are limitations in hospital birth that just come along with that. It kind of goes back to the system just isn't designed for us. Okay, so my final two questions I think are things that have come up in the past with home birth clients of ours. And I'd love for just our listeners to be able to know that if this is part of their experience, how does it impact their home birth experience? But what about someone who has a seizure disorder and someone who has a baby that has known Down syndrome? 
So Down syndrome is not a contraindication for home birth, for sure. Sometimes with babies who have Down syndrome, they might have a heart condition that we were kind of touching on earlier. So it would behoove the team to just kind of get that checked out and make sure that it's not something that's going to need immediate attention. But there's no other reason for a baby who has Downs to not be welcomed at home. A seizure disorder is one of those pre-existing conditions that are usually listed on our licensure, but that doesn't mean that there aren't people like Dr. Fishbein or other doctors who deliver at home that would feel comfortable managing that. So I think that if, if you're someone who has a seizure disorder and you really know what the risks are for yourself, then I think you should continue to look around and find somebody who might be able to help you. I love that. Oh my goodness. I I want to say, you know, homework is great for everybody. I recognize there's a small percent of the population that it's not appropriate for for medical reasons. Um, but you guys, seriously, if you have been feeling like your hospital experience is less than desirable or you're just not connecting with your provider, you're just missing something. You don't leave feeling warm and fuzzy. You don't leave feeling jazzed up to have your baby with these people. You don't feel excited to go in and see your provider. Something is missing in your care. And, you know, home birth might not be right for you, but it's certainly something to explore if you've never thought about that as a possibility for yourself. Of course, what Bliss said is true. It will depend on where you live on not only access, but what is, you know, quote unquote allowed. I hate the term allowed, but what is allowed in your state and what isn't. So look into that. Home birth is a really good option for a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Bliss, thank you so much for being here today. This has been a ton of fun. And I think that you talked about kind of a heavier topic, things that might pivot your birth plan in a way that we didn't anticipate or we didn't want or we didn't expect. And you you talked about it in a way that made me feel good. At least it made me feel like, yeah, we've got a lot of control here and these things don't have to totally derail you. We can pivot along whatever side, alongside whatever your body is telling us that it needs from us. And that's kind of the name of the game in pregnancy. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you've been working with a midwife and you do end up needing to go in and get medical care, you still have had that beautiful prenatal care, hopefully the postpartum care as well, which we usually do for an extended period of time, which is invaluable. And then you'll have her by your side as you're walking down that path of needing some, you know, advocacy and guidance when it comes to making some of these medical decisions. So it's not like, that's lost on you, you know? And so having medical, having midwifery care alongside obstetrical care, if you do know you have to deliver in the hospital for some reason, or if that's your choice can also really benefit your pregnancy and your experience. So there's lots of different ways of approaching it, but I'm with you. I I would love to see home birth be the main mainstream choice. And then, um, you know, going to the hospital, If you feel like maybe you need the pain relief, I know that some people, you know, that's an important thing for them. Or if they find out that it's just going to be better for them and baby to be a little watched a little deeper. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I could talk about home birth all day. Bliss, if people were interested in learning more about home birth or they wanted to connect with you on social media or maybe they're in California and interested in working with you after this conversation, how can people connect with you? Well, you can go onto my website, which is Birthing Bliss, and my name is spelled with a Y, so B-L-Y-S-S.com. I do do virtual consultations, prenatal, postpartum, preconception, birth worker, and trauma. So if someone wasn't in the area and they wanted to work with me virtually, those are all available. You can listen to the podcast that I have, Birthing Instincts Podcast, and then you can find me on Instagram under Birthing Bliss Midwifery. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) All right, you guys. Thanks so much for hanging out with Bliss and I today. This was such a fun conversation. I always love hanging out with you and I'll see you next week. Until then, bye. Hey, before you go, let me grab you and share about the importance of taking a CPR class before your baby gets here. If you're expecting a baby, I know that you are probably feeling so overwhelmed and like there's so much to do on your to-do list. Let me stress one of the most important things that you can do before your baby gets here is take a CPR class. Why? For so many reasons. First, that new parent anxiety that you're feeling, and it's totally normal. We all feel that. But a lot of times it comes from the unknown. Not knowing, how will I know if my baby is safe? How am I going to know what to do to keep them safe? Well, one of the best things that you can do is prepare for those emergency situations. And let me tell you, crazy shit happens with kids. You know it and I know it. So the best thing that we can do is be prepared. Babies are going to choke. They're going to gag. They're going to, you know, vomit a little bit. You need to know the signs of a baby that has an open airway versus a baby who needs some support. We also know that children age one to four have the highest rates of drowning. And I promise you, once your baby is here, you're not going to get anything done in that first year because you're still transitioning to your new role as a parent. Life is just wacko in that first year. And so I think the best time to do this is in the time leading up to the birth of your baby so that once they are here, you are prepared no matter what life throws at you. It is going to help you feel more confident in your skills as a parent and no matter what comes your way you know that you will be able to handle it. As someone who has been CPR certified for the last 17 years quality is also something really important to consider. This is why Tranquility by Hehe has partnered with Thrive Training Institute to provide you the highest quality CPR course for new parents to prepare for their baby. I love Thrive Training Institute so much because it comes with a ton of resources and is made for busy families just like yours. You can go to Thrive Training Institute and use the code HEHE10, that's all caps, H-E-H-E-1-0, HEHE10, to save $10 off your CPR course. I also love that it's online and you can share it with grandparents, nannies, and other caregivers that are going to give your baby the love and support in their first few years and also keep them safe. Again, that's Thrive Training Institute. Use code, all caps, HEHE10 for $10 off your first purchase. You're going to be a kick-ass parent and I can't wait to see you thrive. Bye! 
Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident.